Every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Howard Beck coming up at 4 o'clock. The Booner, Ron Boone, will join the show at 5, so make sure and stay tuned for that. Gordon, you ready to do a little what's going on? I am ready. Let's go. We check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network and find out what's going on. The Big Opinions interviews, sometimes some funny stuff as well. But uh, Thorough Big T Bailey was on with DJ and PK. Let's check in with that conversation. You know, there's like a million ways we can go with this discussion here in these next 15 minutes or so. And I got to preface it that I have no answers to any of these world problems or social problems that we have in our country. Uh, So don't look to me for answers. I can just have thoughts and ideas. Uh, Put it out there. And, you know, basically from you off the top of my head, what do you think of the players and their ideas to try to seek social change? And we, I think we all agree that that's a good way. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to do. But the methods that they're trying to accomplish, what is your, your take on that? Well, I think you have to understand, guys, that uh, some of the beauty of this, and I know it's, it's a hard word to really bring clarity on because there's not a lot of beauty on that's going on but the fact that we live in a place that we have the freedom to decide what we want out of our lives what we want in this country uh we sometimes we don't have the freedom based on our choices to decide what those consequences are right and that's 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 where we have the responsibility to that's why we have laws that's why we have uh hopefully have people that we trust that can that are trained the right way to carry those uh those laws out but um what i think you know of course um if you're asking me personally what i think you know i i think that that the players and the league uh, have the right, and I, and I, I I agree that they have the right to decide what they want to do based on their personal stance and their personal feelings. Now, there is something about coming together and deciding um, as a whole what is best and how that message is going to go out, and not everybody's going to agree with it, right? I mean, there are people out there that want to watch basketball, and they don't think that this should be part of sports. Uh, and I think they're wrong. I, I think that if there's injustices that are going on and you feel like they're wrong, I think there should be a, you have the freedom to be able to, to voice that. So, um, you know, there's so many things going on right now. There's, there's racial injustice. There's pandemic we're trying to get through. There's other groups that are you know, are, are not, are being discriminated upon. That's, that's the country we live in, right? I don't think it's ever going to be cured or stopped in some sense, but it's, I think right now it's about awareness 
It's about why are you so quick to disagree before you understand all that's going on. And when you do understand what's going on, what side are you on? Well, you part of the problem or you're part of the solution. So, you know, that's not a, uh, you know, that that's, that's where I, I stand. I mean, I have my own personal feelings, um, but I also have to understand that I work for an organization that, that also has a stance and a position uh, that I, you know, I, I, I fully support. So, um, you know, if the players don't want to play, I, I, I get it. Uh, there are some that want to continue because there's, there's a side of this that says, well, we're going to play. We're going to play in honor of, of those people who have been, that we're going to dedicate these games. We're going to dedicate our season. Uh, but it, it all just remains a matter of um, what perspective you see it from. Uh, and, and there's always going to be opposing forces on it. That was Thurl Bailey from this morning, uh, given his insight into what's going on in the NBA and certainly what happened yesterday. Did he? He said he had his opinion on it. Did he express that opinion? Uh, well, that he, I think he supports the message. That's the vibe I got, Austin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely. Wondered, I wondered if he elaborated on that at all. Yeah, he, he he you know this was a almost twenty minute segment. We just took oh. three and a half minutes of it, okay. so right. you can always check it out at twelve eighty thezone dot com to get the full entire interview of any show. Yeah, good. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was interesting hearing Thurl's take on it. We'll get another you know former player and now broadcaster Ron Boone's take on it uh, as well coming up as five, at five o'clock, and we'll get. I, I know uh, if we know Howard Beck like we do, Gordon, he's going to have plenty of thoughts uh, to share it for as well. So we'll. Uh, Howard Howard is a very very bright man. Uh, no doubt, uh, and uh, there's some stuff going on at Bleacher Report. Uh, glad Howard's still coming on with us today at four o'clock. All right, let's go with this, and this is. Uh, Jeff Grimes was on with Hans uh, Olsen a couple of days ago, Gordon. And, you know, you've heard me ask this question to coaches before, like what uh, they're kind of like musicians. What are their influences from other coaches? And uh, Jeff Grimes, as you know, has a very diverse background on uh, coaches that he's coached for. And he got into a few of those coaches and talked about what he learned from them. And I thought that this was really fascinating. So here's uh, what uh, BYU's offensive coordinator had to say about that. I've always wondered if BYU fans understand the luxury they have with with you coming now into your third year and all the coaches you've had an opportunity to come in contact with and and coach with. You know, I I think that the list is is extremely deep. You know, people might stop and just look at LSU, but it goes back to Malzahn and and much further. Um, Have you just taken bits and pieces from from all of these coaches uh, throughout all the years? Yeah, I think if you're – if you're a guy that has a, a teachable spirit, and I try to, I, sometimes I don't. I'm a little bit stubborn, like all of us, but I try to learn from everybody that I'm around, and you know, certainly learned a lot from my time at LSU. And, and Ed Orgeron is just a tremendous head coach, and I think the biggest thing I took from that is just how to show up every day with energy. I mean, that guy has an endless supply of juice and brings it every single day starting at 6 a.m. until we leave the building, whether it's with the staff, the scout team, uh, the team meeting, anything. And that, it just it, it showed me that the leader, the leader sets the tone for the program. And so I try to do that with the offense. Um, you know, before I was at LSU, I was at Virginia Tech. And Frank Beamer was the head coach. And 
wow, what a what a privilege to coach for him. Here, a guy in the twilight of his career, but still very much in charge, very much a guy who who cared about the details. The thing I'll never forget about him is, you know, he was he was um, very involved with the special teams and before practice, before pre-practice even started, he would have the scout punt team, not the punt team, the scout punt team or the scout punt return team out on the field holding up cards, making sure that they would have the scout looks right for his punt team that day in practice. You know, here a guy, you know, towards the end of his career, but still cared that much about getting the details right. And then, you know, a great, a great experience at Auburn, um, winning a national championship and around some great coaches and players there. And, you know, I could just keep going going back all the way to, to when I started as a, as a high school football coach in Texas. I've been around some great people, and I think, um, you know, to some extent we're all a product of our environments, and I certainly am. That was Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator at BYU. And I just, Gordon, that answer just caught my attention because I thought it was so fascinating talking about these little bits and pieces. I mean, he mentioned three really, really good coaches right there. And, of course, I'm partial to Frank Beamer. It was going to catch my ear. <laughs> uh, but how interesting is that, the, the little bits and pieces he took from those great coaches? I thought that was a, a really fun insight into who he is as a coach. It's remarkable how many coaches that we've talked to through the years, Jake, who say that exact same thing. They learn as they go, and it shapes them. And they and Kalani Stocky the same way. Uh, they as they as they go through the various stages of coaching, they pick up a lot of things from some fairly good coaches. And I remember talking to Jeff. Way back, uh, I don't know how many years ago. When was he at BYU the first time? It was under Croton, so that had to be... Yeah, so it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed him at that time, and he told me his life story. And he he went through and, and, and uh, went station by station and sort of uh, said, okay, this is what I had here, this is what happened here, this is what I had. And that, that process has continued through another 20 years of uh, some fairly uh, good instruction and opportunity to observe. And so that's what he's trying to do, utilize those things now at BYU. I love that anecdote about Frank Beamer where he said he's he's – Warm or he's practicing the scout team before practice to make sure the scout team has the the special team scout team has the looks proper for his special teams to practice. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, it is. Uh, look, uh, Frank Beamer, amazing guy who worked for a substandard program with bad fans. Hey, but, uh, hey, you've been really into the personal shots lately, and I'm, I don't well, really... Listen, listen. Just, just Parcells, I, like the only redeeming on. one. Yeah. Over there. Wait, wait, wait. I take, I take all this crap from you guys all day long, and I throw a few little mild jabs at you. Mild? Now, now you call them personal shots? At <laughs> least their team, totally. uh, people have heard of their team as opposed to the Delaware thing. That's true, the mud hands. It's a great T-shirt, though. Uh, it, I do. I love that T-shirt. It's very soft. I mean, do not, don't, do not do that to the fighting blue hands. Okay, so I think we should go through an exercise here. This just, this just came into my brain. All right, let's compare people on staff to what coach they would be <laughs> from any sport. All right. I don't like this. I, uh, yeah, of course you do, Austin. You're participating. What uh, if uh, um, uh, if you were to compare David James to a coach 
who would it be? Fisher to Barry. <laughs> that is so random. Why Fisher to Barry? Because he talked fast and he talked a lot and he okay. he, uh, he was smart and he was. You know, very religious and very uh, on top of things. And whether you agreed with everything he said or not, it was kind of rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. Those are the exact same reasons why the name that popped into my head popped into my head. And that Which was Craig was? Smith at Utah State currently. I Ooh. like that one. That You need a coach's show or an interview field? You let them just talk, yeah. and it'll be it'll <laughs> See, be done before you can blink. I was going to go with DJ's nerdiness and go somebody like Andrew or Andy Ludwig, like with the glasses. Okay. Maybe it was the glasses. But, but you're both on to DJ and his ability to fill uh, radio time with his uh, hot takes. Well, that's what his job is to do. So I know, they, I know. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. Uh, he's never short on a thought. And I do love Fisher no, to which is, be- which is which is beautiful. And I did a show with DJ for two years and enjoyed every minute of it, except for when he called me an idiot that one time. Well, I get that on a daily basis. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I think I'm coming along with uh, with Austin's Craig Smith there. I, I second that one. That's that's pretty good. But Fisher, what's the matter with what's the matter with Fisher? Nothing, because I, I, I you made me think outside the box. But, Different sports there. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But but Craig Smith, he's got a little DJ going. Uh, all right, let's go with PK. Hmm. Oh, there's there's so many like inappropriate ones <laughs> that I want to say for PK, but I don't know, I don't know if I really should. I'm gonna go with Bruce Arians currently. Just because he says what he feels, when he feels it, no matter what anyone cares about. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> and he's usually, you know, he, he, you'll always get an honest opinion. How about this? Here's mine. Steve Spurrier. Just because yeah, of the I look? Or? For, no, for a no. similar reason, that if, if Steve thinks it, you know it. And he's not afraid to, uh, to even criticize those within the coaching prof- uh, profession, which few coaches actually do. All right, I've got one for you, but okay. it's for different reasons. Okay. I'm going to go with Frank Cush just because that was a coach that influenced PK in a mighty way since he was a huge Arizona State fan. Okay, but that's too nice. You can't give him an Arizona State coach. That's just kissing up. Uh, okay, then then I'll go with did, – did Tommy Lee Jones ever play the role of a coach? I have no idea. He played Ty Cobb once. <laughs> I'd go with whoever he played. Hmm. Well, that's not a good answer. All right, I so like you. I like you guys' explanation though, because PK, yeah, he says what he feels, and that's what uh, that what that's what makes him such a beautiful uh, talk show host. All right, uh, let's go with uh, Scotty G. You mean our boss? Uh huh. So think carefully. He's the best coach ever. That guy <laughs> or gal. Okay, I'm going to go, and this will seem like I'm kissing up because I am. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm going to go with Lavelle. Because can't you see Scotty listening to the station all day with his arms <laughs> crossed and just a stern look on his face? You know, yeah. And I've had a few troubles that uh, I've taken to Scotty, and Scotty's handled them very Lavelle like. We'll get through it. We got to handle it. We got to face it, but we'll get through it. And then he does it. And also, Lavelle was an Aggie. Wow. This is a perfect answer. You nailed it. Congratulations, me. Gordon? Gordon, what don't you like about Scotty? Go ahead. Oh, I, I love Scotty. <laughs> Scotty's one of my favorite people. 
Uh, but I'm saying that because I really mean it, not because I'm kissing. Him. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. But uh, but you you don't. He's not very popular in Decalo. We know that. So would you pick a coach that's that's not a popular coach? Uh, no, because Scotty is popular. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 you know, no, I wouldn't. Okay, he is popular. Um, yeah, guys love working with Scotty. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I, I have a serious answer too. I, I, I have I have one, but I'm, I'm not going to say it. Oh boy! Oh man! Why wouldn't you say it? Is it inappropriate? It's not inappropriate. It's just kind of funny, and uh, I don't know what, what kind of mood Scotty's in today. So, not a good uh, one. You've read the news these days, right? Who's in a good mood? Nobody's in a good mood. Everybody's mad. You lose. No good moods. All right. Are you taking a pass on Scotty? Um, Well, Scotty, I mean, I don't know. Scotty's a a former offensive lineman, right? Or he, that's what. uh, I thought Scotty was a fullback. He was. Yeah, back to insulting Scotty again. Roger French didn't want him to be. Yeah, Roger French. So I was going to go with Mark Mangino there for a minute, but because uh, he's big, and maybe that would work. Okay. I, wow. I like our answer better, Austin. Well, I was also going to tell you Scotty Bowman of the NHL Detroit Red Wings back oh, in the day. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, a guy that uh, you can hang out with, but then when things need to be handled, he handles it with fury. You know, I think you're right. That's why LaFell Edwards is the right answer. Because Scotty, he, 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 you guys are exactly right. That is the demeanor of Scotty. And uh, Lavelle absorbed so many problems from time to time. And he knew exactly what to say to who. Yep. And that's exactly the way Scotty manages. That's our guy. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely it. All right, Hans. I've got. I'll go first with Hans. Jack Del Rio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of a big, you know, physical type guy. Uh, not really Hans's happy-go-lucky personality, but how I would picture Hans as a coach. Because you know he's not putting up with tongue rings on players, so that's that feels like a Jack Del Rio move to me. Have you heard that story, Gordon? No, tell it. Uh, he was during his brief coaching career, coaching high school, I think. Uh, somebody showed up to practice in a tongue ring, and Hans yelled at him and uh, made him take out the tongue ring. And then Hans, I, I think he wasn't that a nose ring. I thought it was a tongue ring, and yeah. then Hans threw the tongue ring, and then uh, the player came back the next practice with another tongue ring, and he did it again. And the parents were not real happy. But that feels like a Jack Del Rio move to me. Interesting. I would never have thought of Jack Del Rio. Hans is actually, I'm having a real hard time thinking of something, Gordon. Don't you think Jack Del Rio could be Merlin Olson's nephew, too? Don't they seem like they could be family? I'm trying to think of someone who is, uh, is large in stature, a former player who went into the coaching ranks, who's big and strong like Hans is. Phil Jackson. Well, how about uh, what position did Mark Cristobal play? Okay, that's a good one. He was an O lineman. Yeah, I yeah. could see that comparison. And see, I was I was not thinking of the physical appearance. I was thinking no, more I like, uh, honestly, like a Jeff Van Gundy. Okay, a guy Jeff that, Van Gundy. that go, he knows his stuff. 
He 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 knows what he's talking about. He can coach. He knows the X's and O's. But you can also just hang out and hear a story from him at any time. He's a hell of a storyteller. Okay. All right. Austin went a different way. I could see that. Mm-hmm. All right, Lloyd. <laughs> Jim Boylan. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Lu. Ty Lu. Oh man. <laughs> Brent Guy. <laughs> Jody Sears. No. Oh, hey, easy. Sorry, that's, that's your That's fella. crossing the line. Too much. Lloyd looks a little bit like uh, like Joe Paterno. He but... does? <laughs> In what possible fashion? <laughs> They're both human? I don't that would have been a better response, uh, you know, 25 years ago. Oh, but. Lloyd kind of looks like Joe Paterno. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was these an, guys are going to kill me for these that answers. That was an amazing answer Our right board up Eric looks like Joe Paterno. <laughs> I don't see it in Lloyd, though. All right. That was an amazing answer. Uh, okay, let's move on to the big show. Um, oh, let's not. I'll go first. <laughs> Who would I? Uh, me. Oh, man. Lou Brown. From Major uh, League? Yep. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that's an amazing answer. You also know your stuff, but you know how to make people laugh. Gotta jack it up a little. And you're not afraid to tell people what you feel. <laughs> I gotta call you back, Charlie. I got another guy <laughs> on the line about some white walls. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, and you know perfect. every line from that oh, movie. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Oh, Thank you, Austin. Gosh. That was that, incredible. That, yeah, I can't, I can't beat that one. Forget the curveball, Ricky. <laughs> Give him the heater. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, what about perfection? Gordon? That was amazing. What about Gordon? Gal. Uh, he wants us to say something like John Wooden. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, I I know the answer, and okay. Gordon will even like it. Mike Leach. All right. A little different opinion on everything you can ever bring up, but 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 here's here's commanding my commanding uh, knowledge. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Smart guy. But here's my thing. You know, it, like one thought with Mike leads to another, and then a couple minutes later, you're like, "How on earth did we get here?" <laughs> okay. That that happens with with our guy Gordon. I suppose. And yeah, he tells I, us a lot of stories that uh, he thinks people like to hear. <laughs> and you know he's good at he's good at what he does. Yes, hey, I, fellas, you're awfully silent about that. I thought you as would a take, coach, I thought you no, would take yes. that as a compliment. No, I see where you're going with it. <clears throat> oh boy, are, are all his stories absolute fact though? Because mine are not a chance. I mean, he's spinning yarns too. That's part of the comparison there. I'll never forget that interview I had with him when he's when he was fixing his bike. I mean, that, that's one of the highlights of my career. Speaking of stories, he thinks people wants to hear. No, no. I, 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 what do you mean? It was <laughs> it was just fascinating to hear him screaming and swearing at the bike tire while he was describing various players. It, I mean, it we was heard this so, story a hundred times. It was Let's so. It was. It was so real. It. I mean, it was so genuine, and it was funny. Loved it. I got another one for Hans, though. How about John Robinson? The the old UNLV coach? Yeah, USC Rams. I mean, more famous for UNLV, but yeah. 
<laughs> no, not. Uh, uh, how about uh, now? Because and the reason for that is because John was good in front of the camera, a good talker, and uh, I, I could see some similarities there. Anyway. His record at UNLV stink. Terrible coach. He was great at SC. Never heard of it. Uh, you what about, you remember John Robinson coaching at USC and of coaching co- Moran? Of course I do. I'm joking. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. What about now? Now this one I know. I just don't know the guy's name. Austin's going to have to help me, but I know who I've got from Austin. I'll I'll let you go first. Okay. Who me? No, or no, Gordon. No, no, Gordon. Right. Oh man, Austin, Austin. Um. How about how about Shashevsky? <laughs> okay. Uh, we have I mean, similar you know, vocabularies. <laughs> no, I mean. And I'm not above uh, cheating as long as no one knows about it. <laughs> he's accomplished, and uh, he's uh, but he's very you know he's demanding, and he wants it done right. I, that, you know, I'll take that. That's a nice compliment. It's, uh, I don't I, think you mean any of that, but I'll take it. All right. No, I do. I do mean it. Minor league baseball manager oh. Phil Wellman. <laughs> the guy Who? that threw the grenade. The the, the rosin bag grenade guy. <laughs> Absolutely. He looks like the circus strongman from the 40s, first of all. So he's bald with a twirly mustache. I'm watching it now. I'm watching it. And he <laughs> absolutely lost his human brain. You've seen the, I know you've seen the video, Gordon. He did a full out army crawl behind the mound and then threw the rosin bag like a grenade at the umpire at home plate. I'm watching And him. then did a little finger dance. I'm watching him wing third base into the outfield right now. Here's oh, him here's yep. him army crawling up to the mountain. I knew I liked that guy. Throwing the rosin back. That is me. That is one well of the done. Most <laughs> incredible things I've ever seen. And it was probably just a benign three one count in the bottom of the first inning of a meaningless game and, and then he just lost everything. That's that is me. Who in the who, who on the who on the staff is most like uh, Belichick? Jay Catch. <laughs> Are you looking for us to say you? No. Oh, okay. Oh. Who would your answer be? Um, you. No. No, I, that's that's not me. That's for sure. Who mumbles the most on this station? Because Billichek's a mumbler. Well, I mumble, but uh, I don't. I don't. I don't go uh, looking forward to Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> who uh, Who would uh, be most like uh, John Wooden? Oh, that'd be me. Who's Who's uh, That reminds me of the time I met with John. Who Wooden. What, what, Who would be most like uh, if John Wooden and Dean Smith got together and had a kid? Who would be like that offspring? <laughs> Oh, that'd be You know me. what Dean Smith told me once when he was fixing his <laughs> ski do on the Chesapeake. Oh, that was a fun exercise. I think I think we got most of them right. That was, did, did, that was surprisingly well thought out on our part. <laughs> Phil Wellman. Did you Wellman. say so yourself? Oh, Phil Wellman's the answer. What's that supposed to be? <laughs> All right, stay tuned. More next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, the Jazz are supposed to be playing right now, Gordon. Uh, but, of course, uh, yesterday uh, unfolded the way that it did. Uh, the latest we know today is uh, there obviously will not be any games today. We're not sure exactly, unless I've missed something in the last little bit. Austin, who's shaking his head, he doesn't believe so. We're not sure exactly when they will resume, but we know that they will resume. That's been reported by Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharania, and others, uh, that they will make their return. We're just not sure when. Our friend Keith Smith is reporting that uh, they'll play Wednesday's game Saturday and Thursday's game Sunday, and then proceed from there. If that indeed is the case, then the Jazz would be playing Sunday afternoon at 2, which actually would be a randomly awesome time slot because 2 o'clock on Sunday is great if you're uh, NBA basketball, but I'm sure they're going to adjust the the schedule. Yeah, I I thought it was – I thought that was it was that Sunday slot too, but we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, pl- but they're going to play again. Prime time Sunday and prime time Friday are, or Thursday, excuse me, are are not the same thing. So I I don't know. Maybe they'll put the Jazz at night and put uh, what are the other two games? Portland and uh, L.A. and Oklahoma City and Houston. Maybe put those in the afternoon. Here, I have a question. What would have happened if the Lakers and the Clippers had said that they didn't want to play and that they weren't going to play? What would the rest of the because that's what that was the initial reports said that was the case that the Lakers and Clippers wanted out and all the other teams wanted to keep playing. If that had actually come to fruition, would would they have gone on without them? I have no idea. There's probably some union rules at work there too, right? So I'm hmm. not I'm not sure exactly what would have happened. Uh, I, I, that that went through my mind last night as I was pondering the ramifications. I thought, what do you do if uh, I if those two teams absolutely refused to take the court? I th- would that have forced a domino effect? I have no idea. Or do you just cut those two teams loose and try to do what you can? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's why yeah. I'm saying. Would they have to leave the union to do that though? Oh, jeez. Would they have to quit the NBA Players Union to do that? Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to those questions. You're not supposed to ask a question you don't know the answer to. You do it to I, me all the time. I know, I know. All the time. Yeah, I do. I do it to myself, too. So I, I don't know, Gordon. It's kind of a, uh, um, a, a frightening thought. I'm glad that we're not talking about that today because that would be the worst-case scenario. That yeah. the, that they were divided and have part of the players leave and part of them stay. I mean that that everybody leaving would be a better scenario than that. Well, let's think about what happened in that meeting. And there have been some reports about different things that were discussed. But you have a bunch of players, all of whom are coming from a little different perspective, have a different perspective, and they're talking it through. And I think they talked about it well beyond the meeting. I mean, I think they were talking about it before the meeting. They were talking about it after the meeting, uh, voicing their opinions. And all of them are different. And somehow you got to come to a consensus. And it probably took – that's why they they uh, they canned the meeting last night after a while. And then they re, uh, re-met this morning. And I, th- I think that's right. That's what I read was happening. And uh, had to come to uh, – some kind of agreement about what they wanted to do. And they decided they wanted to play, which we were. And I think that's more effective anyway, 
Uh, I wrote a column about it last night, and we talked about it yesterday. I think that's the more effective way, even though if all the NBA players had walked out of the bubble and there was no playoffs from this point forward, and they went to their home communities and led uh, protests, that would have garnered a lot of attention, I think, in the short term. However, I think the fact that uh, they're going to be in front of the cameras until what? Sometime in October? Well, now a little bit later in October, right? I think Game 7 of the NBA Finals was supposed to be, what was it, Austin, October 12th? I'm pretty sure. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so now they'll probably push that back a few days, I'm guessing. So but, every time know. every time I see LeBron James, I'm going to think about his strong statements. Every time I see uh, these players on the floor, uh, that is not going to be too far from my mind. And some people have uh, rejected that idea. Maybe that's why they do, they have rejected it, because they when they look at these players, they want to see a basketball player. They don't want to see a human being who has strong feelings about uh, what's uh, what's just and what's uh, not just in this country. So, but but it crosses my mind, and uh, so maybe they they can uh, have an impact that way over the long haul. Well, walking out. Um, walking out of the bubble uh, under protest would have been catastrophic from a league standpoint. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe the the players would would say, "Hey, it's worth it." Uh, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like they had to consider how bad it would be for them professionally if they were to do that. If that had happened, Jake, and, and it didn't happen, so this is speculation. But if that had happened, I could see a lockout next year. Oh, it would guarantee a lockout yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. We might we might still have a lockout next year because I do believe that they will end up um, reworking the CBA. But it would have been it would have been far more well. First of all, it'd be far more adv- adversarial, right? I mean, and there'd be more money to uh, um, you, the owners would be more motivated to salvage more money if that makes any sense. I mean, it would have been we we might not have had basketball again for another year. Yes, it, it could have. You know, I like the word reasonable, even though it's vague and it's not really how do you define that. But if that kind of scenario had happened, I'm not sure that uh, the players union would have been reasonable, nor uh, the owners. I think it would have been <laughs> it would have been unreasonable all around 360. And uh, so they they were able to avoid that. I think much to the relief of uh, most the players and uh, also certainly the owners. Well, and I think Adam Silver continues to cash in on the relationship that he's built with the players and the Players Association because it's been much more of a, a collaborative effort with them as opposed to contentious, contentious, excuse me, which we've seen in the past not only in the NBA but in other unions. And I, I get down to or I get to the point where the last CBA that was ratified, Gordon, you remember when that was? When was it? Exactly. Because it oh. went so well, you don't even notice. Because they fostered this relationship where, hey, we're we're out for each other's best interest. David Stern was the bad guy. He's the one that uh, locked you out the last time. He's gone. I'm here. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to all work together to go the right direction. And it's a it's um it's really paid off for him this year. Because I don't think he would have been able to pull off the bubble concept without it. And I don't think he'd be able to work with players to 
help them get their voices out and still play at the same time. I think he continues to cash in on that strategy, which has been a really smart one to this point. So isn't it really remarkable that he can be as popular as he is on both sides? Usually you don't see it. No, if you're you're giving stuff away, uh, sometimes the owners say, whoa, 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 that's being way too generous. And the other side likes you, but uh, then your own side doesn't like you. And so he's he's found a way to to find that, and I maybe that's great leadership on his part. I wish that's the way it was politically all around our country right now. Well, we've seen different commissioners take a different stance, right? I mean, Roger Goodell certainly isn't trying to work with the players. I mean, that guy's pure evil, but he's he's <laughs> r- running the biggest sport on the planet that it's printing its own money. So is he doing a bad job? It's just a different. It's a different way to approach it and in this case i think it's been very helpful for adam silver but his moderation his his moderate stance to me has been refreshing uh and his willingness to listen to the players and not just represent the owners but to think about what's best for the game jake you know me i'm a sucker for that kind of thing i i like when people approach things that way as opposed to walking in a room and saying you're an idiot, I'm right, let's do it my way, or it's not going to get done at all. How do you do business that way? You know, how do you get anything done that way? Uh, it, it, I've, I just respond better to the other way, and uh, maybe most people do. Well, we know you're a sucker for a lot of things, Gordon. Well, yeah. I just blindsided Austin with a uh, drop request. He loves it when I do that, by the way. I can just see him. Back a, I'm a sucker for grass. Thank you, Austin. Now, what you know, did Phil I mean? Wellman, you. What, what did I mean when I said that? Uh, that uh, yeah, that you, uh, you you never pass a chance to appreciate grass. Never pass a pa- pass a chance to pass. Right. Did you guys see that story that like uh, <laughs> CBD or whatever it's called is like uh, half the half the Card holders in Utah or live in Utah County. I did see that story. Yeah, I did. I thought that was kind of interesting, but that's there is not some irony would, there, isn't there? That's not what I was talking about when I said I'm a sucker for grass. I just love walking into a stadium and seeing that real natural grass on the field. Love it. Stay tuned. Another episode of Austin's not List is next. Talking about marijuana. 97 5 and 12 the zone. Is weed bad for you? The tradition begins with the airing of grievances. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Howard Beck joins us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. But right now, it's the segment that's sweeping the nation, Austin's List. Austin uh, has a lot of problems with a lot of people, and if you make the list, you're in deep trouble. I think people should take it as a, you know, wear it like a badge of honor. He's already put me on the list. Uh, what was it? Oh, you put me on the list for I- endorsing uh, sliding cleats up. Something along. Yeah. The, it was an asinine take you had at some point. It, it takes. I am measured and calculated in who and what gets onto the list, guys. I take care. I take uh, a moment or half a moment to decide, and then boom, the list is, it comes together. <laughs> okay. Half a moment. Yeah, maybe. Who's making the list today? Actually, a list is making the list today. Wow. 
According to a survey, I'm sure it was done by, what was that, your favorite college in Poland, uh, Gordon, that had the survey? What was it? University the, of Warsaw? Well, University of Warsaw, ITT Tech, or some, some such. Uh, a survey, a, a Big 7 Travel did this survey, and they listed the top 10 sexiest accents in the United States. Oh, wow. Okay. All ears. Number 10, Kentucky. Kentucky. The 10th okay. sexiest uh, accent in the United States. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Northwestern. Okay. Now, is that the university? No, I think it's like a like a <laughs> Seattle accent. Like they have one? I guess. Maine, which you can, you know, Maine is the windows and things like that. Uh, Philadelphia. Number six, Californian, which I don't know how that's possibly on this list. Because anyone that talks to you for more than a minute about California is the worst. Yeah, that should be it. That should be the answer. Yeah, I agree. Number five, Chicago. All right, I like that number one. Number five is Chicago. Alabama at number four. Okay. Number three, Bostonian. Yeah, all right. You bum. Soft ours. Number two is New York. Okay. And number one, the top ten, the sexiest accent in the United States. It, it can't possibly be this. This study must have been done here. Number one sexiest accent in the United States is Texas. Texas? I like a, a Texas accent. Yeah. What's the matter with oil? Texas? You like talking about oil and horses, do you? I don't know. You know what the plural of uh, of y'all is? No. Oh, all y'all. Oh. All y'all listen. This is... I have a problem with this because they've named Californian as a sexy accent... Number one problem. And number two problem, Texas cannot be the sexiest accent in the United States of America. What should be? How, Puerto how Rican you, is the sexiest you, accent okay. in the United States I of America. I can come along with that. Fight how me. Do you, how, do you, uh, how do you identify a California accent? There's like 10 accents. Oh my gosh, I went down to the beach off the 405, no. and then I went to the oh, 203. Oh, you mean like Val, Oh, Val and then speak? this and that, and yeah. I yeah. think mm-hmm. that describes all of California. It does, and it's obnoxious. <laughs> Have you ever tried CrossFit? I was talking to Shelly the other day. No way. She likes omens. I could not believe I was like, O-M-G. That's, that's California. That's not California. That's the valley. All right, what is Californian then? Well, I don't know. It's a lot of things. For you, example, could do the surfer, you could do the surfer speak. Northern California is different than Southern? Completely. Hmm. You know that. You like I said, anyone that talks to you about California for more than a minute is the worst. <laughs> Correct. Oh, brother. So there you go. That's, I've got a I'm problem sure with the list. I wouldn't put New York that high. I mean. Oh, I love the New York accent. I think it's very sexy. You think it's sexy? When Gordy Chiesa talks, I listen, man. You think it's sexy? I've told him that to his face. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, very much. That's not exactly what I describe as sexy. Please do tell. What do I consider sexy? Yes. No, accent-wise, let's let's keep it in the category yeah, here. Chester, yeah, take it easy. Well, since my wife is from California, but she doesn't speak Val speak, <laughs> um, she, uh, I would say. Yeah, I, you know that Southern Bell accent is is pretty good. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. All right. Okay, we just needed an answer. You, you, you know, like, if someone uh, if someone uh, pronounces fire far, 
and pronounces tire as tar. Uh, that's that's got a certain je ne sais quoi to it. No, I what don't. About, what about Utah? You know, the Utah accent is the real deal, man. <laughs> is it, when feel still comes on, is it it's extended? the real deal. Is vowel, are vowels extended, and then, you know, you forget the T's in the middle of words, like mountain? Got the real deal coming up next with Phil Still, man. Mountain clear water <laughs> from Leighton. Oh, yeah. I mean, anywhere that pronounces hurricane, hurricane, not sexy. <laughs> and shouldn't Juab be pr- pronounced Wob? I be- yes, I believe so. Yeah. And and Twilla should have a little French on it. Twill. That's not, not talking a, about not Twilla. Twilla. Italian. Not, not here, not here in this country. We're here. We're not over there. Whoa, easy now. Whoa. <laughs> I'm a, I like all people in all uh, languages. Uh, our friend you Chasta trailer weighs in. He says any list of sexy accents that omits Louisiana has zero <laughs> credibility. <laughs> Stay tuned. Howard Beck is next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.